Welcome to the pilot episode of Gimlet's at Golden Hour. I'm Dan. And I'm Aubrey. And uh, today we're drinking some, some funky goodness, some little, little uh, funk factory goodness I picked up in Wisconsin. What is it that we're drinking? I knew you were going to ask that. Should have brought the bottle. I think it's, uh, I think it's raspberry. It's like Fram Rude, Fram Rod, you know, a play on like Frambois of some sort. Uh, I don't know. I, when I went up there, they had everything they do is just funky stuff. You know, it's not, uh, they're, they're not doing any lagers. They're not doing any ales. It's just all the funkiest stuff you can possibly do. Yeah, it kind of definitely got some, like, sour notes to it. Um, it's not overly yeasty, but definitely when, when I first uh, kind of started to nose it a little bit, I got the raspberry character to it. And then almost like, like wild yeast sometimes, barnyardy flavors a little bit. Yeah, it's oh, definitely yeah. got some, some mustiness to it. And I mean that in a good way, not in a bad way. Yeah, uh, really tart, just really tasty stuff. Um, it was funny. Uh, did I? I, 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 uh, I started my last vacation uh, a day before my girlfriend, right? Uh, and so I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to sit around the house. You know, what what, what is there to do? Uh, but I decided I would go drive four hours to go sit at this bar for 30 minutes and bring home a couple of these beers. And I was like, hey, screw it. Do you like this style of beer? I do. I like the um, saisons and just funky stuff in general. I don't know. It's less heavy and a lot more acidic. I love it. I love acid a lot. Yeah, it's definitely this time of year. Obviously, got that summer flavor to it. Springish, bright. Um, can you kind of do you know how they make these? Kind of can you explain maybe the style of it a little bit? Um, I I believe it's all spontaneous fermentation, but I could be I could be completely lying. Uh, I think they just dump a bunch of fruit in and hope for the best. What uh, So where at in Wisconsin was this? Uh, just inside Madison, which I've never been to Wisconsin. You're more familiar with Wisconsin. Yeah, right? we have a cabin in northern Wisconsin that we vacation to quite a bit. Um, so spent a lot of time in Wisconsin, many years since I can remember as a kid, four, five, six years old, go up there and fish. So yeah, a lot of time in Wisconsin. How uh, You said northern Wisconsin? How yeah. How close are you to the, um, to the old... Canada. Uh, I think we're still a few hours from Canada. We're eight hours from. It's an eight-hour drive, basically. So up into Hayward. Oh wow! Yeah. So. So it's deep. Yeah, Northwoods, kind of off-gridish, I guess you could say. Wildlife, fishing, that sort of thing. So yeah. Are you on the lake? Yeah. So Tiger Cat Flowage is where the family's cabin is. So it's like uh, I think four or five lakes that kind of have channels that connect. So. Now, is that like mostly getaway cabins that people have up there, or are there people living like year-round over there? There's a little bit of both. Um, mostly getaway cabins. A lot of people that live on the lakes, they're getaway cabins. A lot of people that live in the actual town, they they stay year-round. But it's winters up there, from what I hear. I've never been up there in winter, are uh, pretty cold. So you say so no ice fishing for you? No, I've never done it. I'd like to, but never done it. I think that'd be fun. I think, um, you know when they get the whole hut out, you know, and they have like a kitchenette, and they're just getting it? Uh, I think that'd be awesome. Hopefully catching some walleye, frying them up. Oh, yeah. I wonder if it's, I wonder if the fish are more docile. In yeah, the, I've heard yeah. they are. Okay. Like I said, I'm not an expert on that. But. That makes sense. Yeah. So you went up to Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, just for, just for a, a very brief amount of time. Uh... It was it was one of the better drives I've ever had. I've, I've, I I really like driving for the most part. You know, as long as it's 
um, for travel, not like daily, just commuting. Um, and they, the, 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 the road from here to, to at least where I was going in Wisconsin, just really pretty. Um, we don't get that, unfortunately, too much in Illinois. No. <laughs> Uh, so it was, it was kind of a it was it was it made it for an enjoyable drive, just a nicer treat, um, if you will. So since we're talking beers, we're talking Wisconsin. I got to get your take on the whole new Glarus thing. Kind of explain that a little bit. Tell me your thoughts on it. Do you like the model that they have? Do you think? Do you think what they do is successful? Do you think they should expand? So if you want to kind of explain new Glarus a little bit and how that works. Yeah. So uh, new Glarus is um, a brewery. Um, that only distributes throughout the state of Wisconsin. Now you can get it. You you can get uh, what not their complete offering, but you can get a lot of stuff um, at a gas station. <laughs> Multiple, you know, uh, gas stations all all over the state. But once you get outside of Wisconsin, you're not getting any Nuclearis, uh, which makes a lot of people upset. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a uh, people love it, um, and when they visit Wisconsin. I, I think it's a good thing because it gives you it gives them they take a lot of state it's, I think it has to do with state pride right like we do this thing it's special we're keeping it for us yeah people can come here and they can pick stuff up and they can take it home but we're not trying to blast it out they're, they're not in it necessarily I guess to make a bunch of money would you say yeah I would say that too um, you know and it's one of the things that especially when we do go on vacation up there you know the, the two things we always do we always hit what most people would consider a dive bar, and then it's always either Line and Kugel on draft and or a new Glarus on draft. Now the Line and Kugel thing though, we've been drinking that since I was, you know, in my early twenties. So before I don't know who bought it out, but I know someone bought it out and it kind was of Budweiser. And it's they, they consider it like a mass produced beer now. But oh, yeah. we you know, one of the, the two things that we would always look forward to when we were younger and going up to Wisconsin where the new was Nuclearis on draft and Lining Kugel on draft. And so you're drinking the OG Lining Kugel. Yes. None of this. So most people, I think, when they think Lining Kugel, they're thinking blasted with lemon flavor, summer shandy. Yeah, no, this was, you know, this was Lining Kugel, you know, literally, uh, I, I think the brewery's maybe an hour and a half from where we stay. Oh, wow. Maybe two hours, but it, it's not far. We drive by it. Actually, never stopped, but we literally, getting to where we go, we drive by kind of see the the signs that you know brewery exit but actually never stopped so that's crazy uh so my first um i think my first my first time at lining kugel or sorry my first time having a lining kugel was a berry weiss uh i got a berry weiss so i grew up in a in a college town so even when you're not in college um you know, maybe a little younger than college age and probably shouldn't be hanging out with the college kids. No. <laughs> <laughs> might, have, might have found myself uh, in, a, in a dorm room and uh, this kid is like, you guys want a beer? I'm like, sure, yeah, definitely. And he busts out Barry Weiss. You ever have a Barry Weiss? I don't know that I have. I can't remember that I've had one now. <laughs> and, you know, I, had, I hadn't had a lot of beers. I've had, you know, a lot of crappy beer. Um... But I, I open I open that thing and I, I start sucking her down and I'm like, this is amazing, this is like Kool Aid, like be, beer can be like this. This is beer, so it didn't taste like a beer. It did not taste like a beer, no. Uh, but it was it was it was a good fun time. Uh, but yeah, I've never been to actual Lining Kool. I've been to where they make it in Missouri, <laughs> the old Budweiser plant. 
Hence the macro production. <laughs> had a lot of summer shandy. Yeah, that I had to. We I do that every now and then just for nostalgic reasons. Something light, something to sober you up. Yeah. You know, sometimes when you're on a lake or out in the sun, it, it, it does the job. You can drink it all day and not not get blasted. Yeah, definitely. So what else do you do? Well, so you mentioned a dive bar. What, what do we do at the old dive bar besides order a line in Kugel? So dive bars, um, they're a little different. At least up in Wisconsin, so a lot of times dive bars are you know fish fries, a lot of fried walleye. Um, we do uh, sometimes um, you know a lot of shooting darts and then just fish stories, lots and lots of fish stories. So we interact a lot with a lot of the local people. Um, they're pretty good about you know kind of talking about how the fishing's going, what's biting, what's not, you know. And there's there's always those traditional. You know stories so you kind of walk into a dive bar they have maybe five or six tap handles and then you look at the bar and it's your jack daniels jim beam tea, you know your typical spirits and the bar stools probably haven't been wiped down in about 10 or 15 years the floor's probably never been swept and there's at least like three or four lights out there's always a sporting game on so it's usually you know watching some sports um sometimes we'll shoot some pool throw some darts and just or kind some of hang- fried cheese curds. Yeah, cheese curds. Oh, yeah, I forgot about cheese curds. But usually we, you know, it's usually fried fish. That's kind of, oh. the, a lot of those dive bars have, you know, walleye or crappie fish fries. And that's... Like an all-you-can-eat kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we hitting that with Tabasco, you know, hot sauce. Some lemon, yeah. Oh, baby. A little tartar They do tartar sauce in Wisconsin? Yeah, they do. But... They don't think it's a crime against humanity? No. <laughs> no. A lot, of col- a, lot of, a lot of times it's like coleslaw, too, is sort of... Oh, slaw. yeah. It's like the coleslaw replacement like yeah something to cool you down something that's definitely and delicious yes it is well so uh <clears throat> um are you what what kind of cheese places are you going to I, I i don't know i don't know i feel like i don't know much about wisconsin well i feel like i've been well i've been there one time for 30 minutes so we always stop at the same gas station uh, I'm going to give a shout out. It's in Mauston, Illinois. That's with an M. And then we always, there's this cheese place called Car Valley Cheese. And it's, it looks like it's one of those like touristy places because it's got the big like cheese mouse out front. And it's like, you know, we're open. But they actually do some of the best cheeses I've ever had. Um, they do, we always get a blue cheese. They do a cow's milk blue cheese that I really like. Um, and then we usually get some aged cheddar. And then obviously you got to get the cheese curds. Little squeakers. Yeah, those are Scooby snacks. Um, are you doing seasoned? Are you doing just. No, we just. We go usually plain. Uh, we like to. In the gas. Within the gas station, they kind of got like a shop too where, you, we, where they get. We get more like sausages, salamis, that sort of thing there. Oh, yeah. I think you sent me a picture. What was that? Uh, uh, I forget the name of it, but. Land, was... Landon. Yeah. Landon Jaeger, I think is how you say it. Yeah. Landon Jaeger. Yeah. I had that. I had that recently on a trip. Um, somebody just had brought them along. Yeah. Those slap. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, you know, definitely uh, no shortage of uh, heavy foods up there. But no, that's uh, once we hit the Car Valley cheese, then that I'm usually set. So we load up. We got Parmesan this time, which actually wasn't too bad. So nice. Uh, now, have you been to New Glarus? Uh, no, I have not. I've not either. I've had a lot of. They, they do some funky stuff, like uh, their thumbprint series. I want to say like raspberry deliciousness. And things like that. Yeah, the uh, so the last time we were up there is the first time I actually bought any of their fruited beers. We got a it's like a raspberry tart and a peach tart. First time I ever had them, and that, actually their raspberry tart's one of the best beers I think I've ever had. So, I mean, 
they're doing it well. You know, I know a lot of times people, you know, people use, and, and beers, sometimes with fruit flavors, you get kind of a fake, almost syrupy sometimes. But this one had just enough tartness, just enough sweetness. It was really, really good. I can't remember the name of it, but I just know it was called Raspberry Tart. We did buy the peach tart. Uh, my wife tried the peach tart. She actually liked that one a little bit better than the raspberry tart, but, you know, peach teaches stuff on. Is, I think peach stuff is underrated a lot of times. Like, it's just, it, you get so much good flavor, and it's not, it's not going to bonk you over the head with sweetness, too. I used to, uh, you ever, yeah, it confuse your own spirits. Like, like Oh, yeah. I used to get um, peak season peaches from the farmer's market and put them in mason jars. And then fill it with, at the time, Tito's. Because <laughs> everybody was drinking Tito's then. Dan um, was on the Tito's bandwagon. Oh, yeah. uh, let it sit for like three weeks and then uh, get back to it. Muddle a little peach. Maybe hit a little simple syrup. And pour that peach vodka in there. Nice. So it's like your own homemade, uh, I don't want to say shine peaches, but kind of like those. Yeah. Yeah, basically. That actually reminds me. Uh, worst thing I've ever made. Um, I, so, you know, I like to cook. As do I. I'm sure we'll get into some food things, but... I think I'm a pretty decent cook, but early on, early, early on, I was trying to be fancy or something. <laughs> and I got this idea to make, like, a peach saffron reduction. I don't I don't know what I was thinking. I, I, I you know, I, at the time, I think I was probably, like, making a fancy version of hamburger. Helpers. Were you high when you came up with this? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I just, I, I thought it was going to slap, man. And, uh... The worst part about it was I was gonna I was gonna serve it on salmon. Oh no! There's a lot of bad in that. So bad. Uh, so yeah, I made it and it was terrible, <laughs> just awful. But I like was forcing myself. You know, you, you know, you're trying just, to be like, ah, you're trying to find fine. something good in it. Yeah, it's fine. It's good. Oh, that's awful. There was a so back when McKenna was still finished. McKenna's my wife. When McKenna was finishing up college, we were staying with her mom. At her house. Um, and same thing, I was in culinary school and I was, you know, we were studying about like Asian flavors and I got like really excited and I made these Asian meatballs, but I wasn't really familiar with ginger. So I put like a whole <laughs> ginger root in these meatballs. Oh, yeah. Worst thing I've ever made in my life. McKenna was laughing at me like nobody would eat them. They were, I can't tell you how bad they were. It's like the worst thing I've ever made. Just like, pure ginger it was I mean it was just awful and I can't and I put like some it was like a bunch of ginger and like there was some five spice in it I think I had some Szechuan I mean it was like I don't know man it was just one of those things that I made in my uh we'll call that the learning phase of cooking and yeah it was beyond terrible were you able to cover it up with maybe a little sauce or? no there was no coming, <laughs> no coming back from that one I dumped like twenty dollars worth of food into the garbage yeah sometimes I guess that's what you gotta do yeah Ooh, that was bad. Have you ever been to a, to a, a like a, we, I think around, you know, Illinois, they call them hibachi. Is, is there a difference between like a, so is hibachi grill, is that like an actual like name of what they do? I, I, I'm not sure. I think, I, I know the style is usually like the flat, it's like a flat top grill. So I, yeah. I that might be the style of grill. I'm not a hundred percent. Now is that different from timpanyaki? I think the tim, those are usually charcoal if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Those are like small little charcoal grills. I think there's live fire on those Ooh. where there's a, a, every hibachi I've been to is like a flat just top. A, yeah. Just a flat top. Yeah. I was like thinking about these the other day. Because um, you have, 
it's a show, right? It's always going to be a show. Um, but no matter where you go anywhere in the country, in America, it, they all do exactly the same things. There's like the little onion volcano. There's, uh, you know, the, the scrape in the flat top. With what about the, the guy with the egg that's on the, that goes from the spatula into the hat and then back? He always, you know, doesn't... And then cracks it on the side of the... Yeah. Like, what is that? Like, is that... Do you go to school for that? I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if there's like an apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah. and then they got the little duck that puts out fires and then they fling rice into your face. Uh, Saki bombs? What's a Saki bomb? I don't know. That's I've just seen people yell Saki bomb and they get... Saki squirted at him, so I've never done it, but I've witnessed it. Last time I went to one of those, um, there was a group of people that came to sit after us. So uh, if you haven't been, usually there's like 10 seats around this grill. So we sit down, and then um, I think it was like four or five people come in right behind us, and they're smelling pretty loud, right? What do you mean by that? (laughs) They just fired up Jay on the ride over, (laughs) because holy cow. Um, but anyway, so, so, uh, I think I made a comment about that and then we're sitting, you know, and you get these dishes and it usually has two little, two little square places to put your sauce and, uh, and you can get yum yum sauce or soy sauce. Do you know the difference? Yum yum sauce is like this, like it's, it's like Chick-fil-A sauce, just sweet, creamy. I mean... I could go for that. Yummy, yum sauce. <laughs> I love the chicken. Good stuff. Sauce. Yeah. Uh, but you have the choice if you want if you want double yum yum or if you want yum yum and soy sauce. And they got to, to to our friends, our loud friends across the way, and every single one of them wanted double yum yum sauce. And I was like, I knew y'all were gonna say that. <laughs> it's pretty good. I like those places. They're fun. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know uh, the first time going in. Uh, that it, there was the show. I thought it was like just kind of a fun uh, thing, or I, like like literally just like you go and you watch somebody cook your meal. Yeah. But then they started, you know, with the with the hooping and the hollering. It got weird real quick. Yeah, I like interactive stuff like that. Sometimes it's good. Um, do you want to open this second guy? Yeah, we can do that. Got a little double daisy cutter action. Did you have this last year? Last year? Uh, yeah, I did. I bought it a couple different times. I, so I'm not as big of a beer guy. Um, Dan, Dan's, Dan's a pretty big beer guy. I don't mind beer. I just don't nerd out about it like a lot of people, but I enjoy it. Um, Daisy Cutter, uh, just Half Acre in general, as far as you know, what you would consider craft beers that I like. I, I really like a lot of their products. I like the, the hoppier things that they do. So, So what do we got here? Just a hopped up version of regular Daisy Cutter. I think it's clocking in at, yeah, 8%. What is Daisy Cutter? Just a double pale ale, apparently. Nice. I don't like the can design. They redesigned the can. It's like pink. It looks like regular Daisy Cutter. Last year it was like a lot cooler, I thought. Yeah, I remember. So do you like these style of beers? Uh, yeah. Uh, they're just, I don't know. I used to, I guess, so, yeah, I used to drink a lot of beer. Yeah. I, I don't drink as much beer, mostly because it's, it fills you up, and I think it makes me fat. Yeah. Better than I already am. So Dan's I just, not fat, for the record. <laughs> uh, but I don't know, it, 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 it seems, 
I just got out of it, I guess. Uh, but I used to drink a crap ton of beer. I remember I would uh, bring home like a 15-pack of Centennial every night from work. Um, what what kind of what style of beers did you like? Mostly IPAs. Yeah. At that time, everything was uh, West Coast. So. So really just hoppy, bitter. Yeah. Um, like you were you almost judged the beer by how bitter it was. Yeah. You wanted it to be almost obnoxiously bitter, and the more bitter the beer was, like the happier you were. And you could I don't know if, I, I don't know if you necessarily bragged about it, but you know like you're like man this is. This has got to be one of the bitterest beers I've had in a while. You know, and, and then people would, like, kind of... Try to one-up it? Yeah, just... just it, was, it was all about, like, the hype of how bitter a beer could be. Yeah. Which is fine. Um, Not my jam. I like, I like the juicy... I, I, I like hazies. I like... I mean, you can call me a hazy boy or whatever, like I said. Um, I like the juicier... I like citrus. Um, some of the bitter beers, I mean, they're okay. I understand it. I appreciate it. But personally speaking, I prefer the... More hazy, citrus, juicy. That, that's my style. I think that's kind of more where I am now. And I think it, it, it goes back to the liking. It's, it's not acid that I'm seeking, but it's almost like tricking my tongue into the same kind of a feeling. Yeah. Citrusy and just... Mm, mm. Especially, especially you know, when you're talking, going back into like food stuff, when you're, you know, sitting somewhere just enjoying... You know, you could say a bar or a restaurant, but a lot of times, you know, your, your fried fatty foods... Um, you can definitely cut them nicely with the acidity of, um, of, you know, IPAs or kind of your hazy or citrusy. So very food friendly, which is something that I like. I don't, like I said earlier, I don't drink a whole lot of beer, but usually when I go out to eat at a restaurant, I, I try them because like I said, it's easier to try it at a bar, pay for it than to, you know, commit to four pack, you know, hover, hover. What about when you uh, set up the grill? When I set up the grill, it is hams. It's 16 hams. ounce hams has uh, become my go-to. I guess I like, that's safer, right? Well, I like the price point, and uh, <laughs> they go down pretty nice. So yeah, no. Yeah, you can probably drink more hams while you're grilling too, no matter how long the grill takes. Yeah, last night it might have taken a little longer, but you know, on purpose or on accident? A uh, little bit of both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just chatting and carrying yeah. on a little bit. Yep. Definitely grilling season. I love grilling season. So what'd you make last night? Last night, I, uh, we had a friend over. Um, we sat out back and we, I grilled a pork loin and then I made a caramelized onion and potato puree. Uh, pretty simple. When, when I grill, I go, it's weird unless I'm barbecuing. It's like when I go grill, I literally, it's salt, Lowry seasoning salt and garlic salt. And then sometimes cracked pepper. And I just, I keep it simple. I always have whenever I grilled things, um, don't do a whole lot of like different rubs or marinades. Pretty straightforward. I think as long as you understand, you know, I have a Weber kettle that I generally grill on. Um, as long as you understand, it's just like anything else that you use, whether it be a tool of some kind, as long as you know what it is and how to use it, um, it, it comes out pretty well. So, yeah, I just caramelized a bunch of onions. I boiled some potatoes, uh, had a little bit of beef stock, some heavy cream, and Kind of blended it all together and just made like a nice little creamy puree with it. So, so the caramelized onions and the potatoes you you blended together with yep. the beef stock mm-hmm. and some heavy cream. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, so it yeah it's just it's almost I mean 
it's got the consistency. It's a little bit that it's got like almost like the consistency of mashed potatoes. It's just a little bit thinner. Okay, but makes you, sense. you get the sweetness from the caramelized onions and kind of the depth from that. Gives you gives you something to dip in. Too. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it was like. You know, you just slice up the pork loin, set it on top of the Ugh. puree, and let it ride. Man, I I I actually uh, so for a while I got out of potatoes. Like I. I I mean, you, there's always French fries, right? There's waffle fries, you know. Like I'm yeah. never gonna not. And uh, my special lady friend, she'll always be buying, you know, just the bags that you throw in the oven because it's a quick snack. But as far as actually like cooking potatoes or doing anything with cooked potatoes, I got away from it. I don't know why necessarily. I don't know. It's like boring or like filled me up too much or something. My question would be to you, and I think you know the. I think I know the answer. Have you bought farm potatoes, like locally grown potatoes? Yes. That's the difference. Yeah. Um, recently I've, I've rediscovered the potatoes, uh, and I've just, uh, been doing a lot with them. Um, growing up, you ever make, uh, well, I, I, I feel like potato patties mean something completely different to literally every person who, who is alive. Um, so what are your potato patties? My potato patties are you make mashed potatoes, you grease up a baking sheet, you scoop the, the mashed potatoes on the baking sheet. Mm-hmm. Hit it with way too much paprika. Yeah. And then you bake it till hopefully it crisps up a little bit. Okay. Um, I do like a smashed potato. So so we'll, I will roast like red potatoes whole. And then I'll toss them in like uh, usually um, olive oil and then I'll salt pepper them. Sometimes I'll throw some herbs on them and I'll wait till they cool enough and I'll literally take my hand and press them. So they become like little, they're like little potato kits. And then do you bake them again? Uh, I'll fry them up, like, in a okay. cast iron, like, so those will cool, and then to heat them up, I'll throw some oil and some cast iron. And oh, yeah. Get them crispy on the outside, so. And then you can hit them with whatever you want. So. Yeah, I learned that at a, one of the restaurants that I worked worked at. Was it a side? Yeah, it was came with, a, it's like a bison tenderloin with uh, bone marrow, hollandaise, pickled onions, and smashed potatoes. Yeah, How much did that cost? <laughs> uh, it wasn't too bad, I don't know, it was... It was 26, 27. I don't think it was oh, too that's much. Not bad. Yeah. I haven't had much bison. It's, it was good. I mean, my, my wife is not a big game person, but whenever she would come to eat at that restaurant, that's the dish that she loved it. Yeah. So. That sounds pretty good. It was really good. I think I might, I may have had a bison burger at one point. Probably. That's generally what people have. What's up? How's that source though? Like you like, are there bison farms or is it? We got it from a local butcher. So as far as where they got it from, I'm not sure. So that, that's a good question. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I just know we got it from a local butcher. That's fun. I <clears throat> I wish I I wish I hunted. Uh, I think one thing I or even just I don't know. I, I would like deer. I guess. I, I had jerky growing up, and that was always delicious. Like, you yeah, know, the kid on the street, you'd like, you'd give him some Pokemon cards or something, and you'd get like a couple of chunks of deer jerky. Yeah, that was my jam. But yeah, I, I never hunted. I was me wondering. neither. I've so my my stepdad was always a big hunter, and my my grandfather was a big hunter, and I would walk with them as they would go pheasant hunting. But as far as like personally doing it, I would. I would, I've never done it, but it was always fun to go with them and watch them. And, you know, we, we would we would get pheasant. Sometimes when we would be down in uh, the southern part of the state, we would get quail. And so that was always fun. Like I said, it, it was that time of year where we just kind of walked through the forest. My, my grandpa had a bunch of land, and I would just 
literally get up early and I was the, the tag along, but that's dope. And I, I I would bring my BB gun just so I could feel like I was doing something. You're practicing, yeah, yeah. you know. But now it never manifested into hunting. Is so. is pheasant? Is that all northern? Cause the, speaking of like going back to um, going to Wisconsin. Or no, no, no. I was that was uh, I was like in eastern. I was in Champaign. Yeah. Um, I've never seen a wild pheasant. Oh, they were. I know we, what they look like, but when I went out to Champaign, first time I ever saw them, we saw them everywhere. Yeah. So where I grew up in the country, we, there were, they would be, so once they would pull the corn out of the cornfields or before the corn got tall, we had a pasture. It was maybe, it's probably a half acre, maybe an acre that we just kind of let overgrow and they, they would, you could hear them and see them. I mean, we would see pheasants all the time. So like out, even just right outside of where we live in the country, there were pheasants. I mean, you could hear them. They're, they got a pretty distinct sound to them. Yeah, yeah. I've heard. I've heard. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I watch a lot of shows. You know, like I. I, I mean, I, you watch a lot of YouTube. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, most of my experiences with um, the YouTubes, as they say. Most of my experiences with hunting, fishing, traveling to different countries is all just through YouTube. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. Uh, I always thought that'd be fun. Pheasant hunting would be fun. I, th- I think dove hunting would be interesting too. The only problem is like, they're so small. Yeah, that's like quail too and they're really fast. They're hard to hit. Quail, well, how big is a quail? Maybe the size of your two hands together. Okay, okay. So what are you doing with quail? You're probably... Just roasting it. Roasting it. Yeah. Maybe breading and frying. Yep. If you're getting kind of crazy. Yeah. Does Wisconsin have any like, besides cheese, do they have any weird like... You can only get in Wisconsin kind of thing. Like, I know once you start getting out west, like, um, what do they call them? It's like fried testicle. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Mountain oysters. Mountain oysters. I think that's what they call it. Yeah. yeah. No, the only thing, I don't know, like, if it's like Wisconsin specific, but I know the supper clubs or something, it's like a huge thing up there that we don't have around here. So a lot of, and, and then um, anytime we would go to a supper club up there for dinner, like I said, it was, a lot of, it was like fried fish and a lot of like um, brandy old fashions or brandy Alexanders, like massive amounts. Of, that's like everybody in there was, I was always the youngest person in there by like 30 years. And it was literally fried fish, brandy old fashions, brandy Alexanders. What is a brandy Alexander? I, I'm not, I, I don't. Is I, that cream? I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know. When I think of a brandy Alexander, I don't know why, but I, like, I think of a, like a, What's that crap you put nutmeg on? Eggnog? <laughs> like, I think of, like, an eggnog, and I don't know why. Yeah. I could Google it, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what actually goes into it. I just know that it's kind of the thing, so... Um, so, so next time we're together, we're going to make Brandy Alexander's. If it's not disgusting. Like, if it's not a disgusting thing. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing it is, but... I feel like it is. Yeah, probably. If it has cream... I don't know about you, but I don't like putting cream in liquor. No. Uh... uh like maybe like one, like that's a one. So I will say that we kind of have in 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 my family um, a lot of times eggnog, yeah, around the holidays, and we'll throw. It's usually whiskey. Yeah, we're kind of a whiskey heavy family. Always have been. Sometimes it'll be rum, but so I don't know. So we do do. There is that that is uh, consumed sometimes. So I, I I'm good with like one of those. I I can't sit there. And no, I couldn't. No, pound. I'm the same way with Bloody Marys. Yeah. I like a good Bloody Mary, but... So, you know, talking about Wisconsin and Bloody Marys, the garnishes up there... Oh, is that one of those oh, places? Oh, it's, it's like... 
when you so one of the one of our favorite bars we go to is called Anglers, and it's like the garnishes. It's like a shrimp, a whole celery stick, a beef stick. Um, so there's like a, sometimes they put it's uh, like olives. I mean, it's it's like the meat. It's like a meal. A land eat yogurt, land eat yogurt, whatever. Land yak, land We just we just took a quick pause, uh, mostly to get some whiskey. <laughs> so, as far as you know, things that I thoroughly enjoy. Whiskey is probably at the top of the list, and there are very few uh, brands that I would probably take a bullet for, um, as far as any type of brands, but uh, I am a big fan of all wild turkey products. I have been since I was young. My stepdad, my dad, and my grandpa Joe, who, you know, he I would always remember seeing the old wild turkey 8-year 101s on his... Uh, on his shelf in the basement. And he had a bunch of like the cool decan. He was a big hunter, fisher. This is uh, Joe Crow. I have two Grandpa Joe's. So my, my Grandpa Joe Crow, when we would go to his basement for Christmas time, there was always the cool. He was a big whiskey drinker, but he was a big outdoorsman. So he had all the old decanters. Because um, most of them would feature. Yeah, they would have turkeys like mostly. turkeys. And a lot of times, a lot of the proceeds would go to like different, you know, wildlife federations and that sort of thing. So. Um, I just remember seeing those when I was a kid and we always thought it was cool and, you know, maybe snuck a drink or two every now and then. So, you know, wild turkey, as far as brands go in any category is one thing that I, uh, definitely dear to my heart. So this is a pretty cool barrel. Um, it's from a place called Rudy's. I think it's in, is it LaSalle, Illinois, Peru? Yeah, baby. baby. It's right up there. So we had, uh, someone, uh, just kind of gave us a sample of it one time and, Dan came over and was we were having lunch one day, braised some short ribs up, and we tried this random sample that someone gave us, and uh, we were just like blown away by how good it was. So I kind of got on uh, got on the phone and was just kind of texting around to some people I know that are really big into whiskey too, and it just so happened that I had a buddy who was like, "Yeah, I got an extra one of those." Still holds up. Yeah, cool. It's really, really good. So it's as far as wild turkey single barrel picks that I've had from any store it's probably one of the better wild turkeys I've ever had if not just one of the better just wild turkey products in general so probably one of the better whiskeys I've had like it's just it's just dang good and apparently uh, the guy that I reached out to said they're half of the barrel went to a different part of the state so he has another one or I think it might be like a sister barrel so what a sister barrel is, is like another barrel that's in the same area, same warehouse, right next to it and made it to Illinois too. So there is another barrel that is either the exact same one or like the same one next to it. And I have a wow. a friend out there who has another one of it. So That's crazy. So you just track that with numbers? Essentially? Yeah, so you track it with like rickhouse numbers, floors, and then the chances of that a barrel that's right next to it from the same floor from the same rick house the same style making it to the same state probably not very common especially and then coming across it i guess yeah no this is this whiskey's insane yeah definitely one of the do you know uh do most of the 
I'm I'm assuming most most places are different. I don't actually know, but do you think? Um, do you think that uh, whiskeys used in like a barrel program are going to all come from a similar warehouse? No, or, no, they come from all over. All over. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of curious about that. I was wondering if that's maybe why that ended up happening or what. I, I'm, I'm guessing, once again, I'm not 100% sure. So this being a smaller liquor store, for them to take on a full barrel for one single smaller liquor store would probably be hard. So I don't know. Sometimes people will split it up. I did. So we're like... It's like what? 10 to 15 grand? Yeah. I mean, it, I, I'm not sure the exact cost Maybe anymore. Like- 120 to 160 bottles. Uh, something. I, I, I'm guessing something like that pushed closer to two, probably closer to 200. So, think if you're a smaller scale liquor store and you're taking on 200 <laughs> bottles, that's a lot. So, yeah. I, once again, I'll have to contact the person that I know that has the other barrel. But I, I think it's 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 either a sister barrel or the other half of this barrel. So, it's tasty. Yeah, it's really tasty. So, shout out to Rudy's for barrel number two. 332. If you ever come across it or if you ever see it, I would highly recommend that you uh, do everything you can to to procure. So uh, you mentioned the braised ribs. Um, where'd you learn how to braise ribs? Well, um, we, we kind of, so basically in culinary school, you get kind of a crash course and everything. But a lot of what and where I learned food wise was out at, there were two, two main places. Um, Harvest Cafe out in Delavan, and then Maxine's on Main, which was in Morton. Those are like the two restaurants where I, I guess you could say I kind of cut my chops. So it was it was a little bit different um, out at Harvest. So we in that in that time frame, we were one of the first people to kind of sous vide things, kind of use more modern cooking technologies at the time. This was probably you're talking 10, 15 years ago. So like for someone to sous vide and use foams and do that sort of thing and, and, and the area that we're in is not very common. But there was also, I'm going to go ahead and give him a shout out. Terry Kinney was a, a guy that I worked with a lot and he was one of the first people that taught me how to do comfort food really well. He was out at Harvest. He was kind of the second in command out there and he would make us family meals and it would be like we'd do all this cool food stuff and then we'd try like his family meals and it was just one of those things that just like would hit you. Mm. So a lot, after that, I would kind of pick his brain about a lot of things. Um, it was like we could make this really cool, you know, duck terrine or we would make like a really elegant, really, really good dish. And then, you know, you just, you, you'd go to Terry and be like, hey, Terry, man, how'd you make those nachos? That you, you know, like it, was, <laughs> it was always funny because, you know, something about the comfort food that hits home. So. Yeah. I would say t- Terry's the one that definitely taught me how to like properly braise things and the process of that. Like I said, I got a crash course of it in culinary school, but until I really hone the skills at the, at the yeah. in the restaurant. I mean, that makes sense for sure. Yeah. They were really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's just it's time and patience and yeah. It's so the main thing about that that I've learned that that I would like that he 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 taught me was that he would cool the short ribs down in the cooking liquid and let them sit overnight. Then he would, so you're, he would kind of skim the fat off the top. There's going to be like a little layer of fat that's on the top. If I can ask, like, what is the 
what's the reason behind sorry if you were going to get into this but what's the reason behind like cooling it down and then having it sit overnight I'm not I, I don't know if it's just that's just where the magic happens maybe I don't know I, I don't know but I just I remember that's the one thing that he would do is that yeah. and anytime he, a lot of times when he would braise things or cook things for a long time he would cool it down and then throw it into our coolers in that same cooking liquid and then he would a lot of times take that out and use that cooking liquid to then again reduce into a sauce. So mm. that kind of <clears throat> that kind of harkens back. Do you do you have that belief of like all right? So like uh, my special lady friend has this has this almost like fundamental belief that something like a chili or a gumbo or those like hardier soups, I guess. Um, it's better the second day. It's better the third day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's weird because I, I don't want to say better, but it's one of the rare foods that will hold up. It's like melding the flavors. Yeah. It. So like, it's just, you know, a chili, sh- things like that, that, that sit overnight. It's just something It's like, you know, you, you ever cooked a ha- or tried to heat up a hamburger? It's just weird because it, because of how it's cooked, I think it, it holds up the second day, which isn't very common for a lot of things. So I don't want to say it's necessarily better, but it's one of those things where if you do eat it the second or third day, it doesn't lose anything. And maybe maybe uh, you didn't spend all the time cooking it, so you're like, man, this is great. <laughs> yeah. This is awesome. Yesterday, Dan, ooh, he but, was doing something. You know, with... Uh, with like chili and stuff, see the, the reason, and also it's just so versatile. Like I, I love chili mac, so like I'll yeah. eat chili the night I make it, then I'll cool it, then I'll cook some pasta the next day, throw some chili over the top, yep. I'll diced do, onions. I'll do the same thing, I'll, and then uh, maybe if I got some buns laying around, I'll do like a like a sloppy joe, but it's it's just chili. It's not an actual sloppy joe, but I mean, depending on how, how you make your chili. Kind of like similar. Yeah, I think that the the best part of it is that you can get like fifteen different meals out of it. Yeah, and not and hopefully not get bored of it. No, you gotta. You know. <clears throat> uh, so you for Christmas, I think got a a um, vacuum sealer. Vacuum sealer. Have you yes. put that to use? Yeah. Um, so the next step is to hopefully get um, a circulator. Which is kind of down the road. So that's going to be used more for... So circulators, basically, you with a vacuum sealer, I can see... Sous-vide. Sous-vide, yeah. What we call. Yeah. What most of... Like, I'd say, like, the circulator is the tool, but for even myself, who I, I, I like to think of myself as, like, a, a, a good home cook, I think of the sous-vide as the actual tool. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, but that's what, it, what you're talking Sorry. Um, to derail. Uh, so you're going to kind of get those two things together. But so, you know, I've, it, it's kind of helped now that, you know, we just recently moved into a bigger house. So we got more space. Um, our, our, we, we have our deep freeze, which is, you know, finally inside our house. So I, I'm buying in bulk with bigger cuts of meat. I'm, you know, cutting them up, trimming them down, and then I'll, I'll use the vacuum sealer to seal them. That's so awesome. So that I can throw them in the freezer. And literally last night, that pork loin I was talking about earlier was something that it, I, I I bought a whole pork loin, trimmed it down, froze a couple portions of it. That's awesome. So, yeah. So it's working well. Have you ever done marinades with a vacuum sealer? I have not in, in, in I, rest, I, restaurant work. I have. Yeah, you I have? Never, yes. And 
Is that? Do you think that's beneficial? Or... Yeah. Okay. I do. Because I, I, yeah, I, I've never done that before. I eat most. So I got a uh, vacuum sealer. I, uh, I mostly just use it to freeze stuff. Like so I'll make soup or chili yeah. or beans or whatever right. it is, and then I'll just. I haven't done like <laughs> the actual like. Oh, this is good to like do fun, cool cooking stuff with. Yeah. So that's definitely something. So um, if so, when you get a circulator, is it going to be something like uh, like what is your what is your preferred, I guess, um, vessel for the water? I'll probably use like I have a couple bigger. They're probably five to six gallon pots. Okay. So that I'll fill up with water and just kind of let them ride. So there's that. You can there's a um, there's it's called there's like GFS stores around here where you can buy like uh, like you know ten twelve like fifteen quart containers. Those like clear things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Cambros is what they're called. Yeah. Also. Oh, yeah. 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 So you know word. maybe maybe a, a trip over to Peoria and. Purchase a couple of Cambros to oh, yeah. to use them. Those are just fun to have. Yeah, especially when you're just mass producing. Things. I need a big kitchen now. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, going from what I had to where we are now. I'm... Did I ever tell you about the time I looked at this? Um, it was basically a mansion. Not that I can afford a mansion, but they they were renting. A Dan mansion. can afford a mansion. I can't, cannot afford a mansion. <laughs> at the time, I definitely could not even come <laughs> close to paying like. A tenth of it, but I had this like weird, um, I don't know, idea. Like I was like, I, I could probably get like ten people to go. We could afford this rent for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially after looking at it, uh, they had like. Was it in good shape or no? Yeah, it oh. was. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, it had like a eight burner industrial stovetop. It had like all this counter space. Like it was set up for people who you know probably work in a kitchen. Yeah. Uh, man, if I could, if I could, if I could even come close to that someday, I would. I would just. I don't know if I. I, I don't know if I would ever leave my house. I mean, there would be no need to. <laughs> uh, so, <clears throat> what's your favorite dish to cook? When I have time, when time allows, um, I, I like to barbecue. I enjoy barbecue. I think it's one of the weird things that it seems so simple, but when it's done. Very, very well. There are very few things that will ever top it. It um, so I have a I have a green egg that I like to use, but you know I've life has progressed and got a couple you know I got a couple kids and families growing, so I don't have as much time as I would like. But barbecuing is my favorite thing to do when I'm not. If you don't want to count barbecue, I love so um, pan frying chicken. Once again, I. Not something that I do a whole lot anymore, but I, I used to skillet fried chicken quite a bit. Like, a fr- like fried chicken? Yes, fried chicken that is in a cast iron pan that you heat the oil up in. Are you doing, like, is it shallow then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, um, you know, I just basically process it. As I, I season it overnight, let it sit. That's the key. So with a lot of what I found in cooking is seasoning, brine, doing things overnight and allowing time to kind of work, even if it's just something simple. So melding those flavors. Yeah. A lot of people that, you know, I've talked to, they're like, what, what, what's one of the easiest things I can do to build flavor? I'm like, just give yourself a day, buy some olive garden, Italian dressing, some chicken breasts, dump them in a pan together and cook them the next day. I was like, it'll change your life. So just simple things like that. 
So, so uh, for your fried chicken, what 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 do you, what's your go to? Like, what what are you soaking that in? Or I don't soak. I dry season. So I do. I go. I mean, it's like paprika, garlic powder, um, onion powder, cayenne, salt, black pepper. It's pretty simple. And are you still like? Does that go in the fridge? Yeah. So I oh, okay. I season it. I, I season it heavy, and then I just let it sit overnight in the fridge, and then it goes buttermilk, then flour, and then into the into the pan but just I mean you know seasoning things the night before and letting it sit just helps immensely with things you're going to cook longer or something like fried chicken I wouldn't recommend it on like a steak or something but right I've done yeah most I've done I think is brining yeah brining's fun though yeah I my my stepdad I don't know where he got this was uh, pre um Pre-internet, so I'm not really sure uh, how people got recipes. Necess- I mean, of course, there's magazines, there's books. But I, uh, the citrus uh, with turkeys, um, not only uh, brining it with, like, apple and orange, mm-hmm. um, but then, like, also, like, injecting it and, and then basting it, basically, with that I've citrus. never gotten the injecting thing down. That's one thing that I'm, I'm not very good at. I used to do it. I used to do, so I used to, I used to do like for my Thanksgiving Day turkey, it was like apple cider, mm-hmm. and then I would mix um, orange juice, mm-hmm. like fresh squeezed orange juice, apple cider you got off the shelf, and it was good. I think. Nah, it was probably. Uh, now I just do. I, I, Times have changed. Uh, I used to make uh, Thanksgiving for a lot of folks, mm-hmm. and now it's kind of scaled back in recent years. Usually Thanksgiving is just me and my, my lady friend. Yeah. So usually we just do a breast. I don't think, I, like, I don't I do not do the injecting of breasts. I, I don't know. Like, I would brine like, it before I'd inject yeah, it. I inject it. Yeah, i brine it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a lot of brining when I was out at harvest, and... We, I mean, kind of keep it, we would, I would call it a one-to-one-to-one. So it'd be for every gallon of liquid, it'd be one cup of salt, one cup of sugar. And then we just throw a bunch of raw herbs in there. Could we almost say that, I feel like injecting is like one of those, like, it's one of those things that it makes you happy, but it probably doesn't do anything. Does that make sense? Yes, but I've all, like, I don't know, like, I, I need to talk to someone who's good at it. Right, so like I don't a know anyone. Culinary that, scientist or something, or you know, what, some of, like some of those you know guys that do like those barbecue competitions, they swear by it. So I'm sure their stuff's pretty good. I just I I can it always leaks out every time I've ever tried it. Right, the liquid always leaked out, and I wasn't sure if I was like doing it right. Right. So I've just I've never. The only time I've ever used it is with a turkey, like a whole turkey. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. That's a weird one. But I'm I'm a fan of just either brining. Or dry rub and let it sit overnight. It's probably going to penetrate a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask for just a wee bit more of this uh, incredible... Absolutely. Russell's. Yeah, I, I, I kept telling everyone I know that I had to save this for when for when Dan was around, so... Um, do you remember Tamagotchi? Of course. So, yeah, this is just a random thought. Uh, <clears throat> You're talking about the seasoning, right? I'm just joking. That's no. Togarashi. <laughs> the, the little tiny uh, mechanical... It's basically... I don't know. Your mom would call it Nintendo. Um, 
like a like a little tiny device that you you have a cat or a dog or some sort of. They make this for R two D two now though. Funny story. I think my daughter has one. Really, I'm pretty sure she does because McKenna, my wife, has been taking care of it. <laughs> I mean, uh... <laughs> taking out the poop. <laughs> Here's my thing though. How do you how do you keep an R two D two alive? I don't know. Yeah. That's... I've heard a couple just let it die before, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Let's let it die. We're good. That's, uh, that's me and my plants this year, I feel like. My garden is... Yeah, talk... So you're, you're, you're big into gardening. Yeah. I, I was huge into gardening last year. Yeah, I, you, you did really well last year. I did really well. I did okay last year. I, I would... I would, I would I, to me, like if I could, if I could pick a career, it'd be like a guy who just like somehow uh, makes money and gets to spend all day gardening, like like a vegetable garden specifically, not flowers or anything. Like flowers are cool, but I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, so so what happened? Uh, this year's been rough, man. I don't know. Um, I I did like an initial plant like you're supposed to like six to eight weeks out from the freeze. Are we talking seeds, right? Seeds. So yeah. what, what, I've only I only I've only I have most experience with seeds. Where did what kind of seeds? Where did they come from? Uh, there's a uh, place I like called uh, Baker's Creek. Yeah. Uh, they do <clears throat> their website's weird because it's called RareSeeds.com, which makes it sound like you're getting like I don't know uh, Martian. Asparagus or something? Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's 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 like heirloom stuff, but it's cool. It's fun, and I had a lot of fun with it last year. Um, so, what were the highlights of last year? So let's talk last year first. What do you what what did you do? Because I remember when we were together last year, a couple times you were worried. We got a lot of rain. There were some moisture issues. Yeah. So last year there were there were issues. So. Uh, when I planted my seeds versus when the seeds eventually got into the ground, a lot of things happened. Uh, being a global pandemic, yada yada, gross stuff. Really? Yeah, that whole thing. Um, which made it hard to, you know, acquire. Uh, at the t- at the time I planted everything, I didn't have beds drawn up. I didn't have anything else in the yard. Um, I just had. The catalyst for the seeds. Yeah. So the seeds are growing, the seeds are growing, they're doing great. Pandemic happens. I'm like, oh crap, what am I going to do? Like Lowe's, Lowe's didn't shut down, but Lowe's became like the focal point of (laughs) all of society. Like everybody was out of work and they're like, you know what? Uh, If I'm home, I might as well be working on the yard. So everybody was Or I'm going to redo my kitchen. Exactly. Everyone's at Lowe's. And at that time, you know, like... Now, you know, we're August of 2021. Uh, at that time, we didn't we didn't know how transmutable, transmissible. You know, it was kind of a scary time. Yeah, definitely for some of us, I guess. And I, I would probably be on the um, the scarier part of that spectrum. And I, I was trying to do all I could to not get sick and not pass on some sickness. So I'm like, all right, Lowe's is kind of out of the question. Well, eventually Lowe's had to be a part of the question if I wanted to uh, get into gardening. So I think it ended up being like uh, April, probably April. And I decided, all right, we're going. Get it, set it up, get the, get, the, get the tomatoes in the ground. 
I don't know. I had a lot of success last year. Uh, I had um, probably eight different tomato types. Yeah, you did. Um, never got into, never, never actually went into, never got the cucumbers into fruition. But so, so what happened this year? Why, why, why the down, down luck? I guess you. Could uh, say. First planting was my fault. I was not so last year. I was, I was dialed in. Yeah. Like I woke up and I checked on the plants. Right. I I was about to go to work and I checked on the plants. I came home from work. I checked on the plants. I went to bed. I checked on the plants. Um, I I I think I was you know at their beck and call. Like it, 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 yeah. it wasn't my life. It was the plants' life that I was concerned with. And this year I was I I was like I'm Mr. Green Thumb. I do everything I want to do and I just grow plants. It's fine. And no, that's not how you treat plants. <laughs> you, you you can't you can't. Yeah, I, I guess I had too big of an ego about last year. So first round died. Okay. Planted second, and that happened pretty quick. To be honest, uh, I got did, seedlings and all did that. Did our massive amounts of water have anything to do with that, or no? No. At this point, we're still inside. Okay. Second round was good. I was like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I reconciled with that. And I decided like I, I gotta I gotta treat these guys right. So we treated the guys right, and then um, I decided you know when you when you do seeds inside at a certain point you have to harden them off outside. Guess where I stopped giving a crap this time? Hardening off phase. Um, there was a time where I probably should have brought them in, and I didn't. They died. Third time's a charm. Planted again. Um, grew seedlings outside because at this point we were far enough in the growing season and you can just put them outside. Uh, and I have plants, but they're probably not going to fruit. So not the crop you were looking for is kind of what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's still fun though. It's, yeah. st- it's still, it's still cool to grow some plants and, you know, hopefully, I don't know, maybe see something happen. Yeah, I don't mind it. I I I genuinely like growing plants. Yeah, I think plants are like cool. Yeah, I agree. We're kind of getting back into it, considering where we are now. So, how many how many gardens are you gonna have? Probably a lot when it's all said and done. So, my wife has a. I have a, a green thumb. Her thumbs like she's got like two green. Like it's she loves it. So we're definitely we'll get there. Kind of got our work ahead of us, but... That's fair. Moving is weird. So if you <clears throat> if you had a dream garden, we're talking victory garden, we're talking, you know, 1940s, we're talking 1930s, I don't know, when were victory, victory gardens a thing? 1930s? Yeah. If if uh, if you're going your victory garden, what are your top three? What, what are you planting? Like what are you, or, I guess victory gardens can be whatever, but what do you want to grow? Lots of food. All the food. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm a big tomato guy. In the middle of summer, to me, there's nothing better than BLTs. What's the thing about tomatoes? I feel like... So, correct me if I'm wrong. You've met some gardeners in your life. Yes. Are they all obsessed with tomatoes? Yeah. Most of them. Why? It's like... It's it's like a... I don't know. I hate to... It's like the... I hate to use the word gold standard, but that's, it's like, you know, you can tell 
Everybody grows tomatoes. So you can look at someone's tomatoes and see what they look like. And you can judge how good of a farmer or gardener they are by the looks of their tomatoes. Generally, that's kind of how I see it. So, Why don't we go out on some tasting notes? Okay. I'm going to get a little, little, just like a smidge of a smidge of whiskey here. So with this Russell's, uh, what are you getting? I mean, the nose is what's probably sets it apart. I mean, it, it's got a really nice mouthfeel, but on the nose, I, I just get tons of like what I call sweet oak. There's a lot of oak there, and it's just like syrupy, like maple, caramel. It's, it's a very, very sweet nose. Um, it's a really rich nose, and there's just a touch of spice to it. So as far as what I think significantly sets this whiskey apart from a lot of them is the mouthfeel. It's got this like super viscous, thick, and it's just intensely rich mouthfeel that coats your mouth and it just sits. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't get that hardly ever the way this does um, with, the, with, with other whiskeys. And not, not just you know wild turkey products in general, I, just the richness and thickness of this mouthfeel are what I would say set, would set this apart from almost any other whiskey I've had. It's like oily and fatty and yeah. On the on taste, you know, as far as like taste goes, I definitely, I, I do get a little bit of cherry and then it just, it's got that thick oily finish. Uh, lots and lots of oak and I get a little bit more of that caramel maple kind of towards the end there too. Yeah, a lot of maple goodness. It's an incredible whiskey. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's really good. As two people who've probably tried quite a bit of whiskey in their life, it's definitely something that I would seek out if you could. Well, I think that uh, about does it for this episode of Game Looks at Gold Now. Again, my name is Dan. And I'm Aubrey. Have a great day.